Welcome to Living Water Radio. Can we all be forgiven? God is merciful and God is just. Which do you hope God will be toward you? Which do you hope God will be toward those who have wronged you or who have wronged others? Or are justice and mercy the same? Today, we're going to find out. My name is Pastor David Burkadall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is an ordained minister actively focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, I'm filling in temporarily for pastors in the Los Angeles area, maintaining our yard as my gym, and I'm attempting to learn Mandarin Chinese. We are retired clergy and have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience between the two of us. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. Once a week is trash day in our neighborhood. There used to be one guy who passed through three times. He'd stop here on his break and we'd talk. Now the drivers seem to be rotating, but we still remember each one with a Christmas card and a cash gift. We are grateful that our trash is hauled away. Of course, we put more out to the curb than trash. We put out separate containers for green waste and for recycling. But it's all stuff that we want removed. And the trash company comes and takes it away. It's that simple. But somebody has to pay. It's kind of like forgiveness. There's a very old joke about a little boy who misheard the and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us part of the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6, 9 through 13 and Luke 11, 1 through 4 and recited and forgive us our trash baskets as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. Cute, but either version seems to say that the forgiveness of our sins is conditional. It's conditional on our forgiving others. And then there is the passage in Matthew 18, verses 23 to 35, where Jesus tells the parable of a king who forgave a servant a huge debt and about the same servant who refused to forgive a fellow servant a small debt. The king called his servants back and then sent him to horrible punishments until he would pay everything he originally owed. And the passage ends with verse 35 so my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Is God's forgiveness conditional upon our forgiving others? The key to this passage, in my opinion, is the words, from your heart. I don't think that it just means sincerely. I think it means that knowing the enormity of the unearned forgiveness that we have received transforms us. Our true selves are changed. The 16th century church reformer Martin Luther's explanation of what that forgive us our trespasses part of the Lord's Prayer means in a small catechism asks, what does this mean? He writes, We ask in this prayer that our Heavenly Father would not regard our sins or deny these petitions on their account, for we are worthy of nothing for which we ask, nor have we earned it. Instead, we ask that God would give us all things by grace, for we sin daily and indeed deserve only punishment. So, 
On the other hand, we too truly want to forgive heartily and to do good gladly to those who sin against us. Our hearts are transformed, and a sign of that transformation is our now natural life lived in response to what we have first received from God. We naturally forgive. Our hearts have been transformed. As Luther said, we too truly want to forgive heartily. We forgive from the heart. But more than trash gets taken away on trash day. There are three cans in front of our house. I think that they represent three ways to live the Christian life in response to what God has done for us at the cross, forgiven us and reconciled us to God. The first is recycling. Recycling lets some of what we want to get rid of be put to use. For example, it's been said that every life serves a purpose, even if it's as a bad example. I think that someone who is a bad example made that one up. But if we repent, we turn away from the holes we have dug for ourselves, and we teach others to avoid the darkness of our lives. God may recycle our lives into something that is light to the world. The second is green waste. Green waste lets some of what we want to get rid of bring new life. Its purpose is to be the compost that provides good soil for new life to grow. Its decomposition brings nourishment for the fruit of the Christian life to develop, just as our failures and redemption can be a bridge to life and a credible witness to those who were lost in the same way. We have recently been told that we can also add food waste to the green waste can. Some have embraced this act of stewardship, but I don't think that it's really caught on. That kind of waste rots, smells terrible, and attracts rats and disease. That brings me to the third can, trash. Trash is foul. It serves little to no purpose. It's not healthy to have around. Our image of hell as an unimaginably horrible place filled with worms and fire comes from the trash dump in the Valley of Hinnom, or Gehenna, outside of Jerusalem. It was a place of spontaneous combustion, city trash, and the corpses of dead animals. Our trash is our sin. It is the consequence of our condition before God. The awareness of our sin tells us to give up. God tells us that we are loved. The world tells us that we need to try harder. God tells us that we have a Savior, and that that Savior is Jesus Christ. Somebody has to pay to remove it, and somebody did, but it wasn't us. Jesus paid to reconcile us to God. We are forgiven through his death on the cross. It is through Jesus that our sins are forgiven. We just open our hearts to receive the gift so that our hearts may be transformed by the one true living God. But how do we live that? Are we to just accept any wrong done to us, to forgive people out of hand, without boundary or limits? Are Christians to be the doormats of the world? In some ways, yes. And it has been so from the beginning, when Jesus taught his disciples to be careful in Matthew ten sixteen, See, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves.
We are called to forgive those who have wronged us from our hearts. But I don't think that means we should forget. We are to learn from our experiences while not becoming that which we despise. As has been said, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. We are to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. This means that we forgive others because we have been forgiven and because our unforgiving resentment only hurts ourselves. At the same time, forgiveness does not preclude our desire for justice that may allow the kingdom of this world, the governmental authorities, to extend civil and criminal penalties. But how we do that, and to what extent we pursue or cooperate with that process, will also be weighed against the burden it places on our conscience, on our renewed self, and our desire to both experience and to extend the forgiveness of God. We all want to receive some resolution when we have done things that we know are wrong, but there can never be complete restitution. We can never even know what our sins are. I heard a story about Francis of Assisi, who is said to have received a visitor at his door one day. The visitor had been burdened by guilt over some gossip that he had passed along which turned out not to be true, but had harmed the reputation of someone in the town. He wanted Francis to tell him what he could do to make up for it. Francis told him to take a feather pillow, rip it open, and place a feather at the entrance to every home in the town, and then return to Francis. When he did this, Francis told him to take the empty pillowcase and collect all the feathers that he had set out on the doorsteps. The men said, that's impossible. Who can know where they have gone to by now? Francis replied that it was the same way with gossip. No one can know where it goes. We are by nature sinful, and we have earned only punishment, but the good news of Jesus Christ is that our sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus on the cross. We don't need to be better. We need a Savior who will then make us want to be better from the inside out, and who will make us better. And we have that Savior in Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's been said that guilt is the gift that keeps on giving, and we all want some resolution of it. But sometimes it is a burden to us. This is not only true for Christians, but for all people of goodwill. I've heard it called the ethical paradox, that is, that it is those who are most concerned with doing the right thing that agonize over it, while it is those who are the least concerned with doing the right thing that don't think about it at all. That's why doing good requires a definition of good that can only come from God. I took a philosophy course one year in college from which I think I remember very little. What I do remember is what the professor said in the few minutes at the end of each class where he had finished his prepared professor notes early and went into what I would call his cracker barrel philosopher mode. One day while in this mode, he made the observation that in his opinion, most of the world's evil and probably all of its most heinous evil had been done by people who sincerely in their heart of hearts believed that they were doing good. One of the things that I think that means is that we need to be very humble before God. 
We need to live in response to the new life that God gives us and renews in us each day. To self-examine what we do in order to consider both our motives and our actions, and to trust only in God as the source for a life that truly is life. Things weren't any different for the early Christians thousands of years ago. And yet, the love of God seen in the cross that has won us forgiveness has changed everything about what it means to be truly human. As Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, in Romans 8, verses 35 to 39, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Everyone who turns to the Lord will be saved. There is no difference in God between God's mercy and God's justice. When Job, in the Bible's book of Job, struggled with God's mercy and God's justice, the answer he gets from God is essentially, I am God and you are not. All we can do is turn to God and live, to repent and trust in God's forgiveness paid in full for us, by the inseparable love of God, and to be grateful that our trash has been hauled away on God's ultimate trash day at the cross. Today, let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to either of the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments, questions, and concerns there as well and we'll respond to every one. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated, to open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship services they have available and support your church with your time, your treasure, and your talent. Pray for and support your pastor and church leaders as they seek to do God's will for your congregation. If you are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Contact a friend or a relative. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time into the light. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home. Practice social distancing. Wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Avoid crowds if you can. And be outside if you have to be in a crowd. But most importantly, get your vaccines and boosters. It's the one thing you can do to literally save lives and get us back on track. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with. Everyone you meet today struggles in some way. 
be a helper and encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together as we move into the new normal. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.